0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the New Visions podcast from us here at the Society of Illustrators, where we like to talk about a whole host of topics, including diversity, inclusion, and illustration's role in the larger cultural context. New Visions is led by me, Jonathan Bartlett, and includes Jensen Ekwal, Yao Xiao, John Lee, Chris Kindred, and now our newest member, Christina Daconay. I'm really excited to share this new episode with you guys. It's kind of been a long time in the making. We've been going back and forth amongst the team about it for a while. And that was kind of because, you know, how do you properly run a, quote, women in, in this case, illustration, podcast or discussion or anything? You can't summarize it all. There's never one conversation. And there's so many... There's such a, a range or such a um, scope as to what that could even mean. So I actually, I'll, I'll paraphrase Yao here, and she, uh, she kind of sums it up well. She says, if us, if the team at New Visions only allow for an hour and a half to sum up the stories of women in this field, then something would be horribly wrong. These podcasts are not one-offs that add diversity and flavor. They are the start of conversations. And so that's what we're trying to do here. You know, you can't be perfect. You can't do it all. But we decided it was time. We just needed to jump right in. And so everyone's story is going to be different. Everyone's experience is different. But what I do know is that this panel of artists will inspire you, will offer unique perspective on everything from career approach, mentoring, navigating challenges, their own experience, and then really just life. So I'm not going to ramble on, but let me just introduce Yao is the host. Doing an amazing job in this conversation with illustrators Lily Padula, Virginia Zamora, Catherine Virginia, and art director-illustrator Regina Flath.
1: Um, So welcome everybody. This is the New Visions podcast, um, Number to be Determined. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> this issue, it's about women in illustration and all of its related issues. And today we have four participants on the line. And, uh, I myself, uh, my name's Yashao. I'm an illustrator as well and working in an industry for five years and I'll be hosting this conversation today um, in the Society of Illustrators Library. So we are going to start with a round of introductions and everyone please state your name, what you do, and how long have you been working in this industry. We'll start this way.
2: Oh, great. Hi, I'm Virginia Zamora. I have been kind of doing this for five years now, professional illustrator, graphic designer, and... I don't know art direction, curator, mm-hmm. whatever I can get my hands on that'll pay. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, my name is Lily Padula. I am um, an illustrator, a uh, little bit of an animator, and I've been in the field for uh, about five years as well.
4: I'm Regina Flath. I'm senior okay. designer at Random House Children's Books in the young adult division. Um, I have been in book design for eight years this year, and I'm also an occasional illustrator. I've done uh, a picture book, and I've done some middle grade stuff, but most of the time, just book design. Great.
1: And uh, Catherine, who is joining us remotely.
5: Hey, I'm Catherine. Um, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm an editorial illustrator. I've been working for about five years um, I went to VCU and just been also kind of supplementing my income, like waiting tables too. But so I've kind of been having work trickling in at a like you know at a rate that's like comfortable for me, but yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for sharing. And um, just to add to the context, um, I also work um, in illustration and art direction for the past five years, and I've held a position as a creative director for two years during that as well, and now I'm freelancing. So today we are mostly talking about freelance illustration and the um, Ed Regina's adding her experience as a art director designer in mm-hmm. book design, which is a field that utilizes a lot of illustrations. Um, and you have all agreed to join us on a topic about women in illustration. Uh, And we do a lot of different topics for um, this podcast. We cover education, the income gap, diversity, race, uh, LGBTQ, and everything else. Um, So specifically for this episode, what um, what is your interest around this idea of women in illustration? Like, what is your General thought about this when you hear this topic. Um, so, like, w- what do you see your interest in this? Like, do you um, think of this primarily as you are a woman working illustration? Are you a feminist? Um, what kind of stuff do you talk about when people ask you these sort of questions? Just in general. And then we'll start. We'll start with you, uh, Virginia, and then we'll go around.
2: Great. Thanks, yeah, that was really loaded. Um, (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) First question. (laughs) Um, A couple of of things I want to unpack there. Um, Mm -hmm. As a woman in illustration, there's so much of my life that I thought when I was in education that it was just totally normal. Like, everything is totally fine. I'm just a woman, I'm illustrating. And then more and more people are approaching me like, your art is super feminist, and like, <laughs> period blood was there. What what is that like? I'm like, I don't know. It was on my period, and I thought maybe I should include it in my drawing. And then, the way that it related to other women, that was when I realized, oh, okay, I'm really a feminist illustrator. I'm empowering women to not feel so shamed or feel a taboo about, in this case, uh, period blood, but like uh, sex positivity and things like that, and in general. And I think that a book that really impacted me about my specific. Contribution to illustration or art in general was Gino Diaz's book, This Is How You Lose Her, um, a Dominican man in New Jersey talking about his specific point of view in a book written both in Spanish and English, Spanglish, you know, the, what I grew up speaking. And it felt like, oh, actually, maybe my point of view is really important, and maybe I need to start making more honest work about that. Thank you.
3: Um, that is a loaded question, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think my my thoughts on the topic are, yes, I'm a woman working in illustration, but that uh, is inevitably sort of um, a statement in and of itself, given the really like boys club history of the field. Um, you know, women are so often the subject of illustration, but not the perpetrators. You know, this this I think has changed uh, a lot uh, yeah. recently, but, you know, historically, that's been the case. Um so yeah, and I and I think you know there are still uh, a lot of problems with the way that women are depicted um, and the, the treatment that women can get uh, as you know working in this field that has been so historically male dominated. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to you know help break down that barrier and you know contribute to both you know positive representation and equal opportunity for other women.
4: And as as an art director and a designer in children's books, specifically in in young adult books, I'm often challenged with the task of depicting young women in a position in their life where they're finding their identity. Mm -hmm. And so I always considered myself a feminist, but I'm in the unique position to be giving visual context for stories about young women finding themselves because... As often as the case, the subjects of young adult novels involve female protagonists facing all kinds of issues, whether it's dragons or puberty, and I feel really, uh, I feel really fortunate to be able to hire women illustrators and come up with concepts based around content that is so much about young women finding their voices, or young people in general finding their voices, but to me personally, it is something that you know, I remember that struggle, it's very personal to me to be able to do that kind of thing. And uh, Virginia touched briefly on diversity and that's another thing that I feel like is really important part of my job as a feminist art director is to be intersectional in that depiction. So yeah, I think that answers the question.
1: Very solid. Um, I had not, uh, I mean, you guys have been all put on the spot, just if you didn't know by being on here, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, say whatever you want, but it will be recorded and broadcast. <laughs> hey, sorry, I'm
4: having
5: a little bit of a hard time hearing. Um, but uh, uh, so I guess my um, my approach is that I try to, in my... Like day-to-day life just think as much as I can about the impact I'm making as a um, as a you know as a white woman making illustration and I guess mo- mostly like with my work I feel like I'm just trying to boost the narratives I want to boost that have mostly to do with uh Just alternate ways of depictions. I think mostly my focus has been the women's bodies specifically because I feel like I have like a lot of pent up frustration and anxiety with um, thinness and with feeling invisible because uh, I think like when you look at the way like mentorship in illustration works, a lot of it has to do with there's always like kind of some kind of power imbalance that has something to do with, like, in my experience anyway, with women. I guess young women being like taken advantage of or singled out by like older male professors in a way, and I think that really affected me as like kind of wanting to succeed out of spite for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, if that adds anything. So that's where I'm coming from, or have been coming from
1: at this point. Um, um thank you everybody for um, answering that first question, which really <laughs> covers the whole episode. Because <laughs> um, I definitely want to talk about a lot of these things. On how did you, um, how did you find your voice um, in this topic, and then how. Um, how to find mentorship is something that I really want to talk about in, um, the field of illustration. So the next question I have then, um, is how does your career path as an illustrator or an art director affect your decision to choose your, like, your gender expression? I, I guess in a way like do you feel like um, because it does sound like there's a lot of a lot more male mentorship mm-hmm. and uh, older professionals who are uh, men or masculine uh, pr- represented but like how do you navigate like choosing to project yourself as a woman illustration or do you choose to just be like any other illustrator and not to really like engage in the topic of gender? Would that make any sense? Because I feel like when I was in school, um, it's definitely easier to come across as a young person or like a new person. And then I don't really wanna talk about like how this is a, a gender issue. Like if I was like talking to an art director or like, getting an assignment, I don't really wanna talk about how this also is a gender issue or like my gender has anything to do with being an artist. So did that um, resonate with you in any way or like has that changed for you?
2: I see Regina nodding, so I don't know if you wanna take this one first or? If
4: yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about this because I thought this was such an interesting question that yeah. I hadn't thought about before. And I'm in the unique position uh, being an in-house designer, being an art director where I'm in a lot of meetings and I, mm-hmm. I'm, it, I'm in a, a field that is female dominated at the ground level, but the upper levels of uh, management, decision making, sales, all that stuff tends to be male dominated. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading this question. I was like, oh, I don't know how does my career, ge- my gender expression. And when I thought about it a little more, I realized you know, I, I am a cis female person. And so I am fortunate in that I haven't felt the need to question a lot about my gender expression, but when I am in the position where I need to make a presentation, be in a meeting, talk to a lot of people who are outside the n- normal circle of immediate coworkers that I have, I make very conscious choices about the way that I present myself because I am a woman and I wanna be taken seriously because I'm going to be in a meeting with uh, other people who are going to be listening to my content, but also as a designer, as an illustrator, I mean, you gotta think about how the, how the visual, how the package is delivering your message too, right? So I make those very conscious choices. How am I gonna wear my makeup today for this presentation versus how am I gonna wear it on a random Tuesday? Right. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like it is unconscious choices for me personally, but they're definitely choices that I'm mm-hmm. making that are impacted by my career and by what I'm doing in my day to day. So I thought that was Ruth. So
2: thanks for that question, because I hadn't yep. thought about it before. Thank <laughs> you. I think I, I think about it all the time. Actually, I, it's so interesting because not only is this so relevant, but in the past five years, I feel like it's the language around it has been uh, evolving. So I would identify myself as more gender fluid, and I totally understand where Regina's coming from where I know that on a day that I'm interacting with men or interacting in a social setting that's more career oriented I definitely represent myself more masculine I like firm handshakes dress more conservatively that yeah. like I want people to take me seriously because so much of my you know work is pretty sexual and I'm just like no I mean I know that it is and I know that I'm sex positive but you know I'm an individual I need to get paid and I don't want you to see me a certain way I want you to see me as this strong feminine uh, person, I don't know, female <laughs> illustrator.
4: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and I think that I gravitate a lot towards mentors that represent that. Um, Yugo Shimizu, I'm the pleasure of calling a friend. Uh, she really is someone who's just doesn't take any bullshit from anyone, and my other mentor, who I worked for for, for two years, Sujo and same position as you, Regina, where she's just kind of fighting against not fighting, but up against these uh, higher ups that are all male and want to have some kind of control. And the way that she fights for illustrators is just um, really important for our industry. And I think that doesn't get enough credit. Mm -hmm.
3: Um, I think what I want to add on that topic is that uh, I've been solely freelancing for a long time now. Um, So I, I think uh, there are many things that I like about it, but I was thinking one of the main things that is actually a huge positive is that I don't have to go into an office and I don't have to deal with the potential negative outcomes of like occupying a feminine body, in that uh, you know, in that sort of situation where you you know you might get harassed. I mean, you know, <laughs> we we're all we've all been hearing all the stories coming out like it's very commonplace. And there are even times like I do do some in-house work in, on a freelance basis, and I'm always just a baseline like nervous that uh, I think you know comes from these are typically male-dominated uh, like you know ad agencies and things like that and people who I don't know and you know there's I mean you know uh, there's there's a n- level of nervousness doing any job yeah, of course I but totally I think there is an element of it that comes from working as a person who presents feminine in a place with a lot of men
5: yeah. Um, Catherine, what do you think? Um, I mean, I think I, I definitely feel like Lily's experience is really similar to mine where part of the reason I've been wanting to freelance this whole time and I've been working kind of slowly towards making that my solo income is that, like, I don't, like, consider myself like a conventionally attractive person, so it's been really nice that I can, like, kind of hide the way that I look from social media and, like, that doesn't have to be a part of the work that is given to me. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if I would be I would have been successful at, in any like in any way in another time period like I feel like it makes it so much easier to just like keep people at a distance and like or you know keep myself safe from feeling like the way I look has anything to do with whether or not I yeah. get a job or don't mm-hmm. you know what I mean
1: Yeah, and I feel like, so listening to, um, like, a couple of, like, everybody's experiences, you do feel like the type of work you do, um, like, in a way affects how people perceive you on top of, like, you can be any woman working in any office, but I feel like working in the arts, like, it it is, like, male-dominated at times, but I feel like it is considered, like, a... It's not like working in finance or engineering. Right. It's like a somehow like considered feminine in a way. And then if you do w- do your work based on like women's issues, do you feel like you have to like compensate for, for that? Like in a way, like in yourself, um, in a way that you present yourself. So I feel like I would do work that if people consider that like Pretty and then I have to uh, like compensate in a way that you know I'm <laughs> not all that feminine, but in fact my work is very feminine. I just thought it was like an interesting thought to to bring up. We don't really have to discuss that, but I was like in asking that question, I was just like kind of wondering about that. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on that, we can discuss. If not, we can move on.
2: I mean, if someone tells me to draw a cute flower with Mm -hmm. watercolor, Um, I feel like that's what this is leaning towards. (laughs) I know what you mean as far as like what women should be drawing is so interesting Um, because I think it falls in line with the history of illustration and that kind of boys club thing that Lily was talking about earlier. You know, what is expected for women to draw? What kind of topics should they be leaning towards? And I think that's an interesting to challenge today mm-hmm. um, I think I'm going to hand it off to these two other illustrators but uh, on the last note on mentorship, I think that if, it's, if someone's listening to this and they want to have a mentor that is a man, there's definitely feminist men in our field that are totally willing to help and trailblazers like other women that are totally eager uh, to help you out in any way mm-hmm.
4: I have a Question leading off of something that Catherine said that we can address or not later, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but going back to what you said about kind of being able to conceal a bit of your physical representation or parts of who you are as a person and, and concealing <laughs> that and, and allowing your work to speak for itself. What's interesting to me about that is that as an art director who is considers herself a feminist and is actively always looking for illustrators to be intersectional. I find myself struggling where I'll have a book that I'm working on that's about a trans issue and I will think to myself, hey, I've got this great project. I know I'm gonna use an illustrator for this. I would love to work with a trans illustrator because that would be a really great way to tie in personal experience in, from the artist into the work but how do I find that person? And then, like, how do I find that person who also is, like, working in the style that I know is going to be palatable to the marketing machine that I'm working in? And so that's, that's my question. But then that kind of segues into this idea of your cute flowers. Yeah. What I find really challenging and also interesting about my field is that because I'm hearing directly from sales and marketing and editorial, this is what, this is what girls want. Mm-hmm. Girls want to girls hear this, like this doesn't look feminine enough, this looks too masculine, this is going to be a book that's going to appeal to all readers, but boys won't read girl books, so we need it to be gender neutral. And what does that even mean? How do I make that decision as a designer, well. what is gender neutral? what is more feminine? What do you mean by feminine? And then it's this weird psychoanalysis of the source. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this particular mm-hmm. person is asking for this to be more feminine. Is it just that they don't like green? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it could be anything, I don't know. And like that's part of like the joy and, and frustration of my job is th- figuring those things out and and, and parsing that out and <coughs> trying to solve those problems. But I think there is there is an interesting separation between what what do we as a culture consider masculine or feminine? What does that mean? And then what do we personally, as artists or art directors or designers, what do we consider masculine or feminine? And how are we making those choices for ourselves or for our clients? Mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. You know, it becomes
4: all kind of muddled. Yeah, in there. it just
5: yeah. Um, it always seems like uh, kind of what is considered masculine in any context especially illustration is always going to be like safe as gender neutral like yeah it's assumed that like a masculine perspective is gender neutral and like as soon as you like have a like a woman drawing anything that doesn't look like that narrative that's when it's like oh well how do we make this more relatable for the average person <laughs>
3: yeah I think, I think often um, work that tends to be more decorative uh, you know whether that be like surface design or just people who enjoy drawing you know beautiful depictions of things like those things in my experience are coded as feminine and uh, therefore like denigrated you know like a, I mean I, I work uh, a lot of my work is done in editorial illustration and you know things that are intense you know uh, conceptual solutions to these brooding topics are like revered but if somebody wants to take a different tack uh, to solve a problem visually and it's coded more feminine it will be considered less valuable and you know where where do we get those values like where do those come from I yeah, mean, geez. yeah you know. one
1: time I heard that uh, one of the pieces I was working on was too feminine but like neither the client or their clients were able to explain like why that is. But <laughs> they were just like it just looks really feminine. Like it looks like a perfume ad, not an alcohol ad. Like but we just um, solved it by adding more like hard edges. It's just like curves make people feel yeah. all sorts of ways about like mm. feminine things. But that's and so, that's like so
4: true. I had I had the very same thing happen with. Uh, several projects now but a project uh, recently where I was working on comps for something they were like "We, we need like it's cool looks really cool but we need it to be more feminine it needs to have that feminine something so that it's got the girl appeal we need the more girl appeal and like what Mm -hmm. do we do and I'm like racking my brain because the story doesn't have anything that's even remotely like that and I'm like all right, like, how do I pull like a flower out of this how do I like make something curvy like where's the in? like what how do I soften some edges like can I do this with type can I add something that's more flourishy and like whatever and you Start to try to really psychoanalyze what what does feminine mean visually, right. and like where does that come from? And then and then you have like a tiny existential crisis at your desk, <laughs> and like that's fine. And then you do whatever you need to do, and you move on. But yeah. like it's
1: yeah, and I uh, we, we can move on from this topic. But then the one last thing I was thinking is that like we were talking about women in illustration, and then the topic itself doesn't necessarily mean like, like feminine women, or like feminine illustration, but we end up in that topic just so easily because I, I do think there is like kind of a link, like uh, I don't really work in art direction anymore, but like do people really, I don't know, like tokenize it in a way, like we do want this to be feminine, so they gravitate towards female artists or like, to have like a name attached to it that is more feminine makes something appeal more to a girl audience. It is like something that I think about sometimes. Um, so. I do think
3: it's funny actually uh, when you say that that you know they'll that certain places will seek out a woman uh, because they think that that woman will produce a particular style right. of visual and not for her ideas. You know where uh, there have been you know a few high-profile cases of like a, you know. An article that you know dealt with you know women being harassed or you know a, an issue that specifically affects women done by a man in a way that was you know insensitive or whatever and you know it's funny how I just yeah I just think it's funny how they'll 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 uh, seek out a woman for a style but not an idea <laughs>
5: right
1: it's so funny um, okay next um, topic um, how um, so yeah we talked about like vice versa like how does your identity affect your career path? I guess we have not talked about that. So we can talk about like the reverse side of that, like by being a female identified person and then you are in the arts or you're an artist, um, how has that affected your career path in a way? Um, And I put a question in there because for myself, I felt like artistic career is actually more it, it allows more independence and freedom for like not being in a easily dictated career path like there's no one like telling me you should be doing something at what point so it's like relatively freeing to um just like on like a life level um make my own decisions so that is like part of why that i'm in the arts i'm curious to hear whether that has any effect on your career choices, um, For like
2: me that. personally, it's just like, I'm now freelancing officially for the past two years, but before that, I wanted to work with women, you know? Um, and even in like a part-time job that I took for graphic design, I worked at DVF, Diane von um, Furstenberg, which I feel like represents like a huge uh, icon in feminism and, when I think about the choices that I can make as a woman, I don't necessarily, you know, it sounds really bad, there's certain men in the room, but <laughs> I I don't want to collaborate with men, you know? I just finished uh, curating a show of 25 women for my 25th birthday, mm-hmm. like, I can make those choices, and I I don't, like, when I have worked with men in the past, it's just like, it's this weird power struggle where they, like want to say something or then like they go too far and then it's like you're in a position of power and now you've made me uncomfortable and i feel like i just I don't. I have, have no idea what choice. you're talking about
1: what i <laughs> said so i have no idea what you're talking about oh sorry I was know. that too vague uh, no i i was, oh, was that, that a was joke? a joke oh, okay.
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like did i not like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no. I feel like a lot of women in our industry deal with that. You know, it it tends to be that these art directors that hire us are men or creative directors, and they can, you know, are they hiring you because they're interested in you, or are they hiring you because they like your work? And you know, it comes down to definitely a judgment call. But at the same time, I'm this freelance woman that can just work with women and I can make that choice. Mm-hmm.
1: So you do feel like it is empowering in a way that you can make those choices?
2: Yeah, sure. I think that it does. It definitely affects mm-hmm. my work um, because I make those choices. Mm-hmm. Great.
3: Um, yeah, I think I think I mentioned earlier that I, uh, not having to work in an office, you know, mm-hmm. with, with men uh, is a huge plus and I think a big factor in, you know, me wanting to continue freelancing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it though.
4: <laughs> Want to be in an office that's got a lot of ladies, <laughs> children's publishing, my <with> friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of ladies. I don't, I, don't work with, I don't work with a ton of men in the office. Like I said, at the ground level, m- almost all of my coworkers are women. Editors, art directors, creative directors, everybody. It's until you start getting into the other departments, sales, marketing, finance, or like upper upper mm-hmm. level management yeah. that it's, you start to see the scales tip. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask you
2: what that's like?
4: What, being in an office with lots of ladies? Yeah. I mean, it's it's what I've always done, so I don't know that I can make a, a great comparison because otherwise then I'm mining my experience being, like, a college student, which I feel like is its own, you know, its own thing. It's own but thing, yeah. b- But being in an office primarily with women is is pretty interesting. And, again, because the, f- the feminism that I believe in is an intersectional feminism, the thing that my industry has the hardest time with at the moment is with uh, diversity and race. And um, I... For anyone who's listening, I'm half Filipino and half American. I pass for white, and there are often times when I'm the uh, only diversity in the room. I'm like half a brown person. Like here you go. And I'm like, it's just me, it's just me. and uh, and and that 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 I find to be the more challenging thing to have to. That was really weird. <laughs> this is really you know it's it's challenging to be the 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 person who's who feels almost obligated is the wrong word but you know responsible mm-hmm. to to bring that perspective but in general as far as the way it makes me choose my career again i'm fortunate in that i'm a cis woman I've, it's never been too much of a concern For me and how I've made my choices, I happened to really like book design, and I happened Mm -hmm. to be focused in children's and in young adult, and that happens to be a Mm female-dominated field. So, so it doesn't have to be related. I think
1: it's why it's nice to hear multiple perspectives, and and um, I, I think it can be empowering in a way because of that freedom, and then at the same time. Uh, like as you work your way up like like you said in upper management uh, there's that ceiling or whatever right? you know um, and uh, uh, Catherine what do you think um, in terms of you choosing illustration uh, like you said earlier like choosing freelance
5: yeah in a way like I mean as far as freelance goes I think it just To me, it makes the most sense because there's just not that many, like, art jobs where I live that have, you know, that are, like, accessible um, to me, but honestly, I think it's just kind of, I've been slowly working my way into doing editorial, and over time, I think it's just, like, maybe it has a lot to do with my my really, like, opinionated family, but I've always, like... Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like privileged that like my family's pretty much always supported what I do and has always encouraged me to kind of like even when I feel like I'm a little bit radical for them they're all like pretty liberal but like they've always pretty much encouraged me and I think editorial like to me has made the most sense just because like it's one of the most opinionated ways to make art so it's just I don't know it's worked out for me I don't I wouldn't say that like anything has affected my decision that has to do specifically with my identity. It's just been more so like my background and my personality, I think, if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I yeah. like that editorial illustration is the one of the most opinionated way of making <laughs> art. <laughs> I think that makes me want to do editorial more. <laughs>
4: makes me a little jealous, to be honest. Sometimes. Yeah, I have my opinion usually
1: that I'm yeah. creating. I know, I feel like choosing yeah. between like curves and straight edges is like <laughs> <very> <laughs> it's a different side of, of, of drawing. And then I, I think for my for myself, um, when I left creative direction and working mostly in corporate and business, um, one of my reasons to leave was actually race-related, uh, l- less gender-related, I feel. Um, because i i feel like in the creative industry um there are a lot of women uh but like regina earlier said it's just like not a lot of diversity and i feel like working on my own path uh, at least like uh, i don't know like it's also like age related it's just a, a lot faster than um trying to work in like like a male and white dominated system in a way, or at least you have to like play by the rules for a really, really long time uh, and not really having that much flexibility. So I definitely hear um, some of your perspectives as well. Um, And do you, um, so outside of your illustration work, do you participate in like events uh, like this or like non-illustration events that are specifically Uh, women's issues or gender issues um like the women's march or like other like lectures and um, events that are in the city or where you
2: are i think they're just necessary at this point like Mm -hmm. if i'm not doing something promoting other women in my life and um, i think that a lot of the diversity i feel i have to um i just don't I don't count, it's, it's w- so weird but there's colorism within the Latino community and I feel like it's not that I don't count but I'm like a white, his, like Cuban person in the United States and I feel like so much of the women in Miami and um, the Afro-Latina community is just so misrepresented uh, right now and I feel like m- my energy on the weekends is going to um, this collective in Miami that I'm part of called Fempower. And the local events that are happening there, because Miami is just still one of those places that is just behind, you know, because it's a mostly uh, Latino-dominated place, and uh, like this weird masculine-feminine uh, war is happening there mm-hmm. of like what your duties are and, and what where you know what path, like what paths you can take as a woman or as a man, and at the end of the day, you know, it's very family oriented and uh definitely contributing to this patriarchy that still lives down there um so yeah i would say that i definitely participate and like not just participate put money like i i want to put money where my mouth is like i only want to hire women uh like you know getting the space for the show that i curated it was um Holy Holy talk Studio. about
1: your show a little more
2: oh okay. yeah sure so Daryl O oh is the founder of Holy Rad Studio um, she's partnered with Lainey I want to say her, lame, her last name is partial or, or um, well Lainey Bird that's what I call her mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're a collective and a space that represent women of color in a, a space where they feel like they can't really get work because of who they are, mm-hmm. and their studio is mostly photography based, but it can be for anything. And I've participated in other events there, like Black Palette, which was talking about, um, you know, the idea of race and um, being a woman, and how that affects what you eat, like not and feeling like you can't go into an organic food store because it's not for you, and like their relationship with food, like it's just like again all these issues that you would have never really considered if you hadn't taken the time to think about it and become aware of what you want to fight for next. And I feel like so much of right now, not necessarily fighting, it's conversations like these, like bringing awareness to uh, to that. But back to the show, it was just, again, I thought a nice idea, me and my best friend are born on March 6th and March 7th, and her name is Sam Dean Lynn. and I thought it would be fun to get 25 of my female crushes is what I call them. They're just killing the game, <laughs> um, and I wanted to help them, promote them, uh, celebrate them um, because they give me permission to be who I am. Like, if there were, if there weren't other women like me that I could relate to, I'm not sure I would have the strength to be the artist that I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally hear you. Yeah
3: yeah definitely big old nodding in agreement with that um uh yeah i think the the way that i you know i feel like as a you know white cis woman i don't really want to super prioritize like my own experience because it has been relatively privileged uh you know of course i've experienced you know gender discrimination but you know there are i i've 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 decided, or not decided, but I—I've been trying to use, you know, my position, you know, within the industry and, uh, you know, through social media and stuff to just uplift the voices of uh, women of color, you know, queer women, et cetera, um, because I think those are the voices that need to be heard. And, you know, I'll I'll participate in marches and things like that, but uh, yeah, I I think that my my energy is better spent uh, lifting up the voices. that need to be heard uh, in a awesome. terrible time like now, <laughs> and supporting financially too. Uh, I, f- you know,
1: y- yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don- donating monthly to organizations you care about, I think, is if you're able to, is one of the That's best awesome. best things you can do.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I. Uh, I've been very fortunate to be a voice that uh, people have called on to talk about some of these issues. I was on a great panel at Comic Con last year. Last year, I never know what year it is because I work in publishing, um, <laughs> and it was women of color break out the books, and it was talking about women of color in the publishing industry, and, and that was really cool. And so, I've been fortunate to be able to participate in these kinds of conversations. So that's definitely something that I do also have a two-year-old daughter and I am very conscious of, uh, the, let's say the example that I try to lead for her and, um, making some of those choices, like just in, you know, her everyday life, raising her, that, that kind of thing. Um, So yeah, definitely head nods all around for everything that everybody else has said. But my my energy is is primarily focused as far as this women's issues and being present for these conversations and then being present for my daughter.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Are you on the, did you get on the Creative Playdate podcast?
4: No. Oh. I c- apparently, I need to. Yeah.
1: So uh, just shout out to uh, Michelle Kondrich very randomly, but she does a podcast about creative parents. Aww. Yeah, we should yeah. make sure
5: she does. Yeah, she's really nice. Yeah. I'm um, going to find that right now. <laughs> 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 All right. And uh, Catherine. Hey. Um, so I this past winter had the opportunity to be in an all-women's illustration show in Richmond, which was really, really nice because um, mm-hmm. I feel like Richmond especially like, is probably one of the more common hubs that illustrators kind of flock to um, when it comes to like schooling and just uh, an accessible community, and I feel like there's also been an equal amount of like stratification in terms of gender because it was established by... You know basically a bunch of like old school boy types that you know made vcu a lot of what it was but haven't really like i don't think have done a lot since then to make it a more inclusive intersectional learning path um so it was just nice to like be a participant in a show that was like just a bunch of women who were really kick-ass at what they do and um can provide commentary like on um, like the state of how illustration seems to be in Richmond um, specifically and just how insular and inaccessible it feels like it's been and it's changing a lot because I think a lot there are a lot of really amazing people in Richmond too that are changing the way those spaces are organized. Um, especially like after even after I graduated like it seems like a lot of students below me really had their shit together and decided to, like try to boost some of the way shitty professors that Mm -hmm. had been just there for way way too long um so that's been really really nice to see really encouraging and i just like i'm just trying to be part of like a sewing of a community that can improve itself Mm -hmm. um time and time again so
1: yeah um so my next question is is related um how do you find inspiration on like what to research next? Or like how do you keep up with the like, gender issues? Or how do you find events? How do you find other like minded people? Or what kind of literature do you read? Could you like share a little bit of that? Or like it can be like Twitter or like Facebook articles or you have a reading list. Um, or like certain mentors in your life that had recommended stuff to you, um, where do you usually find those inspiration that I, I don't think is very like, available in the art community specifically? I feel like it always like, comes back to the art community as like an issue, but like where do you start on reading up about um, gender equality and like girls' rights and all of that good stuff? Good stuff.
3: Definitely through Twitter a lot. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of really uh, wonderful voices on there. There's a lot of um, you know really great journalism being done on the topic right now. Um, I also uh, kind of need to read to fall asleep every night, so I've been trying to you know read current uh, thought like uh, thoughts on the topic and mm-hmm. sort of go back and like you know read uh, more like. Classic, uh, classic literature, on, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and by that I mean like you know, uh, feminist, like classic feminist literature. Not uh... y-
1: yeah. I think at some point <laughs> we were like both reading *The Second Sex*. Yeah, in college, <laughs> college probably. <laughs> right sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about like anything else that
2: you guys? I, don't don't have? Have. I usually listen to podcast i know that sounds mm-hmm. so bad um, what we're on, on a, a podcast. podcast we're on a podcast it sounds great to <laughs> listen to podcasts i'm awesome. saying so i should read more i definitely should but i like i was actually looking to lily and regina to see if they could answer first because i'm like thinking of the podcast that i don't I know why to. i was looking
1: at you oh, like t-
2: I, I can talk about some podcasts
4: feminist podcasts that i like to listen to okay, uh, it'll ring a bell. Just... yeah so stuff mom never told you oh, which is it. yeah
2: Stuff mom never told you. Either. So we
4: both subscribe to the same co- yes. podcast. This really awesome podcast about feminist pop culture stuff. We can talk later about. Oh, I
1: need to yeah
4: found yeah. that. My podcast and okay. which, which is in pop culture, and we mm-hmm. talk about feminism too. We'll talk about that later. But I think that's a really I think that's a really great way to get these like like very condensed sound bites that will get you interested enough in a topic to be able to research it more on your own. And when you've got that like 30-minute subway ride commute, and you're like, okay, I can like get into this topic that, hey, maybe I don't have a super interest in, but all of a sudden, then you've expanded that horizon. I think it's exactly. really great. Um, for me, because I work in young adult books, and a lot of my job Is reading. I'm reading a lot of those manuscripts, but what's interesting is that I see these issues come up in the narrative of the books that I'm reading because these are topics that young women are interested in more and more, and so authors are privy to that. They're cognizant of that. They're writing about things like feminism. They're writing about figuring out your gender identity, your sexuality, like all of these things, and so... I am lucky in that part of my job is reading versions of this narrative in so many different ways and then thinking about it critically to be able to represent something on the cover that is going to speak to that mm-hmm. but also be like a marketing piece, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the thing that you're going to sell this book with. Yeah. So a lot of that inspiration I get through the source material that I'm reading but then also through other media podcasts movies that I'm watching yeah. you know um going to art galleries going to like women only like there was a woman only science fiction artist show that I went to that oh, cool. was just spectacular um I'm going to shout out to Lauren Panpinto who Woo-hoo. curated that like show yes and it was great it's awesome so that that kind of thing for yeah. sure
1: it's awesome me. do you have any to add
5: oh um, yeah I mean honestly a lot of Twitter like being able to follow specific people specific writers has been I think the internet's probably changed my perspective on things more than anything Mm -hmm. Um, it's just exposed me to so many viewpoints that I feel like coming from a privileged background like I wasn't brought up thinking about
2: Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of documentaries, and I think if Two Dope Queens counts, I'd like l- religiously watch every Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think I think it counts. I'm gonna put
4: the seal of approval on that one.
1: Thanks. Anything? Yeah. <laughs> I need to watch that. And so we are uh, almost in our last um, bit of discussion. So I, I think it can be like a little more open. Um, we talked about um, mentorship. Um, I I do want to just like come back to that and um, just like is there a good way of finding mentorship beyond school because I I do hear a lot of people finding their mentors during their art school years which is great but if you just happen to not secure that at that point um, or that you change your directions or just like never worked out with any professor um, how, um, I guess specifically to, like, women illustrators or non-binary illustrators that doesn't really buy into that boy club kind of culture, how do you, how does one go about finding a mentor?
3: Um, so I just recently, this past fall, uh, acted as a mentor for the first time. So mm-hmm. I had, um, an intern working with me for... Uh, she would come in once a week for three months, um, and she mm-hmm. was she was from Japan, but she had just finished her, uh, I think, associate's degree in London, and she just, like, emailed me out of the blue, and it was sort of, you know, fortuitous uh, at a time, you know, when I had a lot of work on my plate and, you know, uh, really appreciated the help. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I'm not a believer in unpaid internships, so I, I did pay her, you know, an hourly rate uh, for her time, and then also, you know, worked with her on... Uh, on you know uh, critiques for the for the work that she was working on and you know kind of uh helping her you know taking her to things around new york and stuff um so yeah i mean she just emailed me out of the blue and it happened to work um i think you know i would encourage uh women who are seeking mentorship to you know you can just try that um somebody who's very very big and popular you'll probably have a little less success getting in the door with you know i'm sure uh I love Yuko. I'm sure she has, you know, requests like that up to her eyeballs. But uh, you know, I'm relatively new to the field. Um, this was like the first, maybe not the first request like that I had gotten, but the first time that I felt as though I could uh, act in a mentor role effectively. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just, just you know, uh, everyone's really accessible through the internet, and you know, don't don't be like rude or demanding of people's time. But you know, a, mm-hmm. a a quick little hey do you have any need for like you know some help or stuff like that I think can go a long way
2: yeah awesome I have like a two-part answer to that yeah do you know how we know each other Mm. exactly i was that person I was <laughs> in college and i was at like my professor was like "Yo, yeah, show she's working at like imagine think or something i'm like i'm gonna shoot her an email and you don't even realize that that's how we know oh, each other i don't know and then i was yeah. like let's have a coffee and then she didn't even realize we became friends that's like how all, like actually that's the only thing i wrote down for this podcast was if there's something I want to communicate to young illustrators, I'm like, we're all weirdos. We're <laughs> all weirdos. We, I mean, like, work at home by ourselves. If someone shoots me an email and says, hey, I think you're pretty cool, could you look at my portfolio? I'm always like, <laughs> thank you. No, but seriously, just don't be, be, be respectful. And, um, you know, value that person's time. And if they can't get back to you, always end an email with, hey you know thank you for reading this far I appreciate it get back to me whenever if not I hope to see you at the Society of Illustrators you know
4: exactly that's uh, pr- probably that is not only how I got my own mentor but how I got my position at Random House yeah I had done a couple of freelance projects for my boss my current boss and you know I kept in touch with her and i realized i was like wow you're like you're really young and you're in this really great position and like i want i want to do what you do like can you just meet me for like just a lunch or a coffee or something and i just want to pick your brain about how you got to where you are and from there we just kept in touch i would talk to her occasionally and be like this is what i'm working on and like we, we may see each other at like book events or social events or something like that and then when i realized i wanted to make a transition in my career uh, she was the first person I talked to, and it was through our conversations and a little bit of work on her part that she was able to get the position that she had open up to a level where I could be hired at and not have to be like take a like take a cut, you know, mm-hmm. or like a what what is it like a lower p- title, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was I was gonna be able to get the title that I wanted to to get this position, and it it really all comes down to. Just be present, talk to people in your community, and be respectful, be, you know, be kind. You don't have to be the best, yeah. just be kind. Mm-hmm. And and put yourself out there, because until you ask that question, until you start engaging, you're not gonna find anything, because yeah. you're not actually actively looking. Mm-hmm. I
2: find that a lot of people are petrified, at least that I, like, come to, like, how do you, like, you know, what do I do just, exactly what you said Regina you have to at least ask just ask and yeah we're all weirdos I mean you can't
4: see me right now we talked about my blue hair (laughs) like we're all we're all weirdos and we want to we do want to just all be weirdos together we want to like fill the the -hmm. space with other like-minded weirdos yeah uh, sorry
2: sorry
1: I, I do feel like like I do have really awesome mentors but we consider like it's like a friend friendship so like i feel like, the word mentorship and, like <laughs> yeah I, I don't like calling anyone mentor. like someone's was my mentor it's some like some a hierarchy kind of thing really but there really are definitely <laughs> amazing women that had really coached me and given me projects outright when i was out of school and uh, like make connections for me and all of that stuff so it it is it it does come to like like asking and showing up to things for me as well and then just like being I guess like weird and nice at the same time (laughs) but you do have to like meet other people who are really weird yeah and then there are just like people who have amazing experience and you are both weird together with like a bunch of other people who are also really weird yeah i was um, gonna say
2: i think the, um, the only thing i wanted to add to that is to the people like in the college realm mm-hmm. like when i met yuko and chris Bazzelli, they were my portfolio teachers and i remember thinking I, I can't remember who gave me this advice but someone just sat me down it was like it's silly to think that your career doesn't start in college it does mm-hmm. the friendships that you make in college with your professors. And my, at least in my personal story, has lasted me till now. And it's the reason if I get any success or like know the people that I know is through them. And I think just being considerate with those mentors if you want them in your life past college. So for me, I made a book of quotes of crazy shit that Yuko and Chris Bazzelli said during class that they still show off to people. <laughs> um, so I just think if you want someone to be in your life, just be considerate and be kind and meet them in person. I think that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And then
1: it sounds like you do have to make like a lot of personal effort to... Yeah you know, like, to maintain relationship, which is normal for any relationship.
2: Just, Just like, nurture it the same way that Regina would follow up with, like, projects that she was doing, you know? Every time that something happens with me, I follow up with my mentors, and I'm like, hey, guys, you know, this is what I'm working on. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, Hope we can meet up for coffee soon. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I had similar luck with, you know, I mean, being fortunate enough to have uh, also attended SVA, and, you know, uh, having, you know, been a student of Uh, illustrators that were you know my my uh my idols when I was when I was uh younger and deciding that I wanted to do this um yeah even just like maybe you know once a year or so like I'll just kind of shoot some people an email of like hey you know this is what I've been up to lately blah, blah, blah. and like you know I I for a while had a weekly column illustration I was doing which was pretty much responsible for like allowing me to continue freelancing like in my first two years because I'm very financially insecure time so having a relatively steady paycheck was uh super awesome and it was because this one illustration assignment had like gotten kicked from like someone had recommended julian tamaki who couldn't do it who recommended me and i was like and it was just one thing but then they were like oh hey you did a great job like we actually have this other thing and you know so just Mm -hmm. like a just having you know being present in the field enough for somebody to maybe want to recommend you or hire you can open you know many many other doors afterwards
1: for sure. Um, Catherine, we haven't heard your perspective on um, uh, mentorship. I mean,
5: oh, sorry. I feel like I keep interrupting people because like, I'm like, eh? I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I never really had a mentor. Like I've had a lot of really good friends that um, Friend have usually been around like the same level as me in their careers or like, maybe slightly ahead that I've been able to... like. Bounce my insecurities off of but it was never it was never really like a um official or any kind of like real power dynamic it's mostly just like a lot of us experimenting with things in our careers and methods for marketing and like you know trying to help each other communicate ideas better kind of um and I guess like I I guess I'm in a position where like it's hard for me to like recommend anybody um like say that they like have to meet someone in person just because like it's really difficult to be in those spaces all the time where a lot of people are meeting face to face because like honestly like I'm someone who just can't afford to like be so it's it's been nice for me to be in a city like this where the cost of living is super low and um I've just tried to use the community people around me to, like, teach me as much as they can, essentially. Um, so it's just, like, a little... I th- I'm just glad, like, that social media is kind of a democratizing uh, the spaces of this industry a lot, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah.
1: yeah, so thanks to the internet as well. I, th- I think it makes it a lot easier to know about, like, events that people could possibly attend or like people's emails that are available or just like even through twitter like a way to reach out to someone um i I think not being in certain art schools or just like make nice with certain professors was like uh, beyond that there's always um the internet and then a chance to meet them elsewhere um I, i think that's something that perhaps um, is, like one of the solutions to um, expand your network and find mentors beyond the school.
3: Yeah, I also think that, like you know, a lot of a lot of um, information that was traditionally only available through attending uh, an art school or university is now available online, uh, which is also really great because, Definitely. you know, if for anyone who's attended art school, you know, it is very expensive and it's like you know, it's a life-altering decision, which you know. For me, has you know been great because I don't think I would be where I am without it. But I, you know, have a heavy financial responsibility that's you know going to be with me for a very long time, which you know is is a you know it's its own thing. Uh, and to to be able to have access to that kind of information and you know that kind of opportunity through the internet, you know, it does take more work, but it's there, which I think is you know incredibly important uh, for leveling the playing field.
4: But I. Just to add really quickly, I think it's really incumbent upon the people who are out there who aren't necessarily in those traditional channels of, you know, I'm here in New York and I can come to this event or I go to an art school so I already know these people. I know for me, um, I mentioned this a little bit before. As a designer and as an art director, I'm constantly trying to diversify the pool of artists that I'm drawing from, mm. and it's really great to be in the city and have people coming fresh out of art school. But as much as diverse as the city is, there is still going to be a homogeneity because of socioeconomics, because of you know location. And as a designer and as a creative person, I want to be able to use points of view and voices and illustrators that might not necessarily come from those places but I'm not really I don't have the resources yet to be able to find those people on my own so if you're listening out there and you're in you know the middle of nowhere but you're like man I really want to be a book designer and I have no idea how to get like come talk to me you know like that that's that's the kind of thing that I think the community at large and we specifically like want to be able to help people who are genuinely interested in the community, genuinely interested in being a part of this creative world to, to find their way into it in in any way possible.
3: Mm-hmm. Actually, when you brought that up before it reminded me of a story that I wanted to, to share and sort of, um, that was very eye-opening for me. Uh, I had been contacted to do an illustration about a trans issue. Uh, I not being trans was like I would like to pass that on to a trans person. Um, so I put a call out on Twitter, got a ton of great portfolios, but a lot of people actually sent me messages like, "Oh, I'm trans, but I don't openly identify as such because I don't know, you know, what impacts that's going to have on my career,
5: mm-hmm.
3: you know, things like that," which I, I had never thought about, uh, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, obviously, obviously, people choose to be out or not for uh, for a myriad of reasons. Um, but yeah, how uh, you know, if you are in a marginalized group, like you don't want to only be pigeonholed into doing work about that. Like you want to, you know, be seen as a full person. Um, which I mean, I can't I can't speak much to myself, sure. but I think it's a really interesting, a really interesting. Um, yeah,
1: and there are, um, databases on. The internet as well, because every time someone put up a call for women of color or <laughs> queer artists, like there's, they're always, um, y- you know, that one tweet. I like, just go to the database because uh, <laughs> I, um, I feel like maybe we we do hang out on Twitter a lot, but I, I do feel like sometimes that information is still not accessible. Like I like at some point I was just like really confused why like people still don't know. Like, there are resources and databases online, um, but I, I think, I hope as time go on, there will be, like, more, like, of that flow of information. Um, and then there can be, like, mentorship that happens that way. Yeah, um, yeah so that's a, that's a great discussion because I feel like mentorship is a key to... Mm, to like moving someone's career forward, um, I do feel like we're all in the like under ten years record of being in the field, and I can't imagine making it all the way to this point without my mentors' help. Actually, and then like going forward, just like there's a lot of unknowns about like what happens when you are like is five years mid career, like what happens after your first <laughs> five years, like what happens you know, then you need to, like, address, like, adult things as an adult. Like, what happens when you get old? So there, there are a lot of questions that really just can't, like, you just can't find that out yourself. So that's something that I didn't really know before, that you do need a mentor of some sort in your life. And I didn't recognize some of my friends as my mentors. So that's, like, something that I'm, like, slowly realizing as I get older. Um, and then that's a discussion that um, we were having online on Twitter between like some of the team at New Visions is like the kind of advice that um, a lot of students get from the mentors as they seek. Like there seem to be like a kind of mismatch like maybe between like the diversity of the young people today and the, like, the, the more like generic kind of artist advice, like just be yourself and be fine. Um so like it sounds like from our group we think that through the internet and like this like reach out system or re- referral system it's best to find a mentor that matches your interests and not just like anyone that is big and famous and like it's not necessarily that like, you're going to become them you need to find like the person that really connects to you mm-hmm.
3: when so you that. say mentor though do you are you speaking like to the sort of traditional sense of like a one-on-one relationship with somebody or are you speaking more to people that you learn from you know in different capacities
1: both, um, I consider uh, my college professor, Steve Brownner my mentor. Um, we meet for coffee sometimes and I meet him in his class, um, I guess as a one-on-one relationship, but I, I don't work for Steve. Like, right, right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and my former boss, Heather, I consider her my mentor because she mentored me when I was working for her. Um, <laughs> and everything that she has taught me about running, a small women-owned business is very important. So I, I think like things like that, um, like one of my heroes, uh, Molly Crabapple, I consider her my mentor, but we don't even meet that often, but she's um, great at just like inventing new form of art, and I learn a lot from her, and we have a personal relationship. So I feel like, like all these things, I would consider mentorship, but it's hard to not have anyone that you have a connection to or like have like a beacon to like look up to
4: yeah just yeah. really quick I want to relate a story of how I discovered that book design was an option Mm-mm. and it, it points to the mentorship thing uh I went to school at University of the Arts and I was in um Tim O'Brien's class, and Mm -hmm. his wife, Elizabeth Parisi, was creative director at Scholastic at the time. She may still be. I don't know if she has a different position. Yes, still Mm -hmm. creative director. Well, um, she came in to speak to the class, and I was just like, oh my god, I want to be you. Like, this is is it. Like, this is the moment. This is how I know what I want to do. Like, I want to be you. I want to do your job. Like, you're... Wow. So I was very enthusiastic and I reached out to her and I was like okay like how do I do this like how like like you've opened my eyes that this is even a possibility like I didn't know I couldn't be a a full like Lily I couldn't be a full-time freelance because it's not my personality I would go and i'd be on america's most wanted like i would just be crazy and i would never make it i I would just be crazy so i i spoke with her a lot and she walked me through like what her suggestions would be It was fortunate to interview with her a couple of times i kept in touch with her through the beginning of my career and everything and she was just such a huge influence in in guiding me down the beginning of that path and just like you said Mm -hmm. um yeah, I don't meet with her often. I don't. I don't think I've met with her in several years. But I still consider her uh, a mentor in mm-hmm. a way because of how she ushered me into this career path that I had no idea was even an option for me until she showed up. Mm-hmm. And and so I think being able to recognize those opportunities and taking them and following through and all of all of those things are just really helpful. Mm -hmm. And to your point about um, the mismatch of mentors, Mm -hmm. that's where I think that taking the initiative on your own and self-selecting and being like, hey, I'm looking at all these different illustrators and I really like this person's style, and they also have this other connection to me. Like, we all really both like X Men. Like, we're we can be illustration and X Men buddies, and this is going to be how we're gonna. I'm gonna start this conversation. Like, fi- find the people that you resonate with, and it doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, uh, who you completely idolize as uh, some like so. Celebrity illustrator. I don't know if that's a thing. Celebrity illustrator, but totally like the, yes, <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> But like the person that you know, that you feel like can you can see yourself in their path, mm-hmm. and 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 give yourself that opportunity to connect.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's um, sort of what I wanted to get out of the the mentorship conversation. Um, it's it's a pretty robust conversation, but I feel like we have arrived at something that. Is actionable like is um something that I can see happening because I, I just like hate ending things on things like just be cool and you will be cool. <laughs> one no, day. don't be cool. Like, you know? Don't be be no.
4: really uncool. We're all. Uh, uh, we I'm to really be really weird. We're yeah. really all weird. <laughs> yeah,
2: There's always going to be that thing that you can relate to an email and someone. And I know when I read emails and like this one thing that you do. I'm like, thanks for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
4: Exactly. That's. It's, it's making those connections. And mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we're uniquely positioned as creative people, awesome. as illustrators, as designers, to, be, to make those connections, to make unorthodox connections, mm-hmm. to see the patterns where they exist and,
1: and you know, to leverage that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And my... Um, I'm going to try to close us up. So um, I want to just, like... Talk about like what things that can be, what things can happen to help women succeed more in illustration. Like we're we're not gonna have all night in this, (laughs) so just like one thing that would be like a dream thing, or if you're like it's totally awesome now, like we just just need Twitter. That's fine. (laughs) Uh,
2: One thing that can help women succeed: hire women. Work with women of color. Work with women in general. I think that that's just where this is going. Hear their stories, their narratives. Um, they're important. I don't know if that will help to their success, but it'll help with an honest conversation that I want to be a part of. You
3: know? mm-hmm. um, I would say that uh, if you are an artist or you know somebody tangentially related to the field of illustration who is criticized about something, you know whether it's a piece or whatever. Try to be gracious and listen and not necessarily dig your heels in. Uh, you know, be, be mindful and, you know, listen to what people have to say. You don't necessarily have to agree with criticisms, but uh, the reaction to some, you know, minor uh, illustration community, you know, scuffles that happened on the Internet was just for people to be like no I'm right what are you saying like I can't draw anything about this now no 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 I'm right I'm right I'm right and Mm -hmm. that's bad so don't do that (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm. yeah I would I would agree with both of those things and I would just add that when you think about when you think about women and illustration and and design and and art direction everything it's not a competition. It's a collaboration. We have to be able to work together and lift each other up, and it's about that referral system, about, like, hey, I can't do this job today, but I can let you know that Lily is available. I can let you know that uh, Catherine is here. Oh, actually, like, I heard Virginia is really good at this. Like, you should talk to her about this. Like, this is a good job for me, but she's uniquely suited to this. You might want to check her out. Like, being able to really use... The community mm-hmm. to is is what I feel helps bring about that success, and that's that's true. When you're talking about critique, that's true. When you're in an office scenario, like being able to to lift each other up and and just be be kind, be a kind weirdo. Mm-hmm.
2: Kind weirdo. It's mm-hmm. not a competition. I couldn't agree more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it's a competition like between like genders or like whatever like i i don't think that's like i i can see how the like gender war thing is like seen as a competition i really don't I mean think that's
2: women.
1: yeah i i, I knew know. that you meant among women but i think in general, yeah. yeah in general like on the other side i think that's like another competition that i i feel like sometimes i mm. feel like there's like a story where this happens it's like like male versus female or whatever i really just don't think that's like like a competition, or that's like a relevant like t- thing anymore. But um, I do feel like um, it is sometimes like seen as a thing. So like I guess for me, like that would just be like don't do that thing either. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah. I, I'm like opening my mouth to say something, but I'm like I just don't want to go down that <laughs> road. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think if I had
5: a I had a dream that wasn't anything... I mean, everyone else has made really, really good points about um, things that we can all do, but I think if I had a dream for illustration, it would be to have an award show statue that doesn't have boobs on it, <laughs> for one. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, like, an award show that maybe focuses, like, specifically on the works of, like, women and women of color and... Um, I don't know, that hires, like, judges who also are really well-versed in making artwork about identity, I think that would be a really nice change of pace from maybe what we have now. Not that I'm, like, you know, I don't want to criticize everyone, but, like, I just think that would be a nice thing to have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be nice. Um,
5: yeah, and then also I was just, like,
1: realized what I just said, but I was, like, not thinking in a way that like women, like I just don't want that narrative of like, now there are more women out to take the illustration jobs because I did like hear people say that before. So I think it's not like, it's, I just don't want it to be seen that way. Like obviously that's Mm -hmm. another conversation, but Mm. when I was a younger art student, I did hear that, like, it's just, like, more women now, there's, like, more female art students now, it's, like, somehow, like, threatening to, like, an older male uh, You mean men are
3: threatened by women gaining power? okay, yeah, that's what I meant. I was like, don't be (laughs) afraid,
1: like, we'll take whatever, like, that is to, um, like, jobs to be had. I don't know. I feel
4: like the narrative around diversity is about that a lot, too. Like, the you know, oh well, like diversity is an issue, but like, oh, is there is there really a spot for that voice Yay. now? Whatever. Can it
3: go too far in the other direction? Yeah, like, exactly. yeah. mm. that was sarcastic, by the way, mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you didn't, you didn't see the air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Again, yeah. I realized that that was like a visual indicator of sarcasm. A- I don't audi- want to sound like audio a audio horrible air
1: person. The air <laughs> uh, great. I'm glad we talked about that because, um, um, yeah, this is a, a good way to end for me <laughs> not a good way to end on air quotes but I, <laughs> I i want to end on on everyone to shout out your um social handle and uh if you do have a podcast or you have a show coming up or something like that so people can find you on the internet
2: okay so i'm vvs uh, on instagram Twitter is something I don't know how to navigate well yet, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> we, are, we are here
1: when you come. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: that's pretty much where you can find me. If not, uh, shoot me an email at virginiamzamora at gmail.com. Like, I'm happy to look at portfolios and help and talk.
3: Um, mine's easy. It's my full name, Lily Padula.
2: Lily with L I L Y. Uh,
3: it's at that on everything Instagram, Twitter, all that. Um, also, yeah, happy to. You know look at any portfolios or you know chat further about anything that was discussed on here if anybody would like to Um, i don't have a podcast or anything though
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm i'm regina flath i'm regina flath everywhere on the internet wherever you need to find me Uh, i'm also one half of uh which witch is witch on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever your pods are cast. I talk about witches in pop culture. It's a specifically uh, women identified feminist witches in pop culture. We have a whole rubric that we go down where we talk about well what what we decided makes a witch and, and this is fun and it's a good time. So you can find me there or like I said, anywhere on the internet as Regina Flaff.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome, and then we'll also be posting... Oh, sorry, Catherine, I skipped you.
5: (laughs) I'm Catherine Virginia. I'm C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-V-I-R-G-I-N-I-A on everything, the whole internet. You can find me. Awesome.
4: (laughs) The whole internet.
1: And we'll also post everyone's full name and uh, links to their website, I would hope, um, when we... um, with this podcast. And um, the new visions is with the society's Twitter, uh, which is SOI dash un or underscore 102, 10128. Uh, Sorry. Okay, numbers. Yeah, and then we'll also be, uh, the whole team will be on Twitter. So I'm sure you're <laughs> getting this from the internet. So I, yeah, anyway. <laughs>
3: picking it up on the ham radio yeah.
1: <laughs> okay um, uh, so um, thank you everyone for your conversation your participation and I hope this conversation keeps going uh, off the podcast
2: thanks for having us
1: thank, thank, you. Guys. thank you thank you
2: alright what were you going to say about it your, your podcast would be
3: called air quotes air quotes <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to my podcast <laughs> <laughs> i mean, None. Reading like that quote of the day calendar. That's <laughs> the worst. This is like the worst podcast ever.
4: No, I feel really good about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>